Welcome to the Branding Blog Podcast. I'm Dave Young, and this week uh, I'm really excited to uh, catch up with Michelle Miller, one of our Wizard of Ads partners. And uh, we were actually doing this face-to-face. Most of these uh, podcasts are uh, done over Skype, and I get people on, on a microphone, and we, we talk and, and uh, go from there. But uh, I've had a couple of times, a couple of episodes where we've actually been able to sit down face-to-face. I think uh, the interview I did with Gene Backus was done on the Wizard Academy grounds in Austin. And, and uh, today, I'm in Palm Springs, California. Ooh, doesn't it just sound so nice, the, the traveling life of a marketing consultant? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm here for one night. I got here after dark, going to meet with a client all day tomorrow with Michelle, and uh, I'm going to leave town at 7 o'clock, not going to see a thing other than the inside of wherever it is we're meeting tomorrow. I'm just really excited to have the opportunity to sit down with Michelle and just catch up. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen each other. Just had a nice dinner and and convinced her that uh, she ought to sit down for a branding blog podcast because it's what I like to do. So she's indulging me. So hi, Michelle. It's so good to see you again. Well, it's good to see you too. And I think you should tell people the truth that I demanded that this be done in person, <laughs> that no more Skype. It had to be done in person. And, and you demanded that it be done at a a four-and-a-half-star resort. Yes, which we could talk about customer experience there, but... Well, we could. We what, could. what do we care? I mean, we, we got this, I actually got this on Priceline. Right? <laughs> and I'm trying to think of the name. of Bidding Traveler or something like that. I've been using it for Priceline because it, um, it's kind of fun and, and it works really well. And we, I mean, this is an amazing place. It's the La Quinta. And, and be, just when you say La Quinta, people go, oh... Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. one of those. No, it's the La Quinta Resort. It's a Waldorf Astoria place. And it's gorgeous. It was built in 1926. And they I know the Waldorfers have been buying these properties. They purchased the Biltmore mm-hmm. in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's one of my favorite places in the world. And this one, too. And, I mean, it's really super I mean, I really recommend it. I got a way better room than you did, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that worked out. I, I did all the work on Priceline, and you checked in first and got the villa. I mean, this is this is gorgeous. It's it's not we're we're sitting at the dining table in Michelle's villa um, because my room is is a a, a walk up kind of like, you know. <laughs> you got mine, the room. Mine kind of looks like a hotel room. This looks like a house, but it's it's fun. It's it's I, I think this one of the most enjoyable things about being a consultant and the model that we have is that uh, even though most of the work we do for our clients uh, takes place remotely, you know, we're writing copy, we're doing media buys, and we don't have to be in the town where our client is to do those kinds of things. But at least once a year, we like to get together face to face with our clients. And then this this particular client lives in Canada and doesn't like to spend the winters there. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> so we get to come meet with him in, in Palm Springs. So that's always kind of kind of exciting, even though, you know, it's a one night in and out kind of thing for yeah. me. And you drove over from from yeah. uh, Scottsdale. Gosh, so th- there's all the personal stuff out of the way. Let's let's get caught up. How how are things going? What What's been going on in Michelle world? And what have you been seeing with your clients? I don't even know. I mean, we, we talked about this over dinner. What are we going to talk about in the podcast? I don't even know, right? Just just interested in, in what's going on in your world. You know, when we talked about what to talk about, and I said, it doesn't have to be about marketing to women because those people that read my blog and have, you mm-hmm. know, or, or books or see me present, know that that's been a big focus for me over the last seven or eight years. And I find that myself... 
um, as a consultant and presenter and speaker, I'm starting to, yes, that's one of my specialties, but I find myself gravitating back toward that generalized small business uh, topic of improving. And I think more than anything, uh, personal experience factor, customer service. And, um, you know, for example, I'll tell you what I was thinking about sitting for an hour and a half waiting for my room today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And albeit beautiful in front of a fireplace and it was nice, but I still wanted to get to my room after a four and a half hour drive. And and just to to be clear, this was not in the morning. What, what time did you get here? Oh, I got here at quarter after four. And, quarter, you were, and your room's not ready. Three. And, and the room wasn't. Yeah. And everybody else's room was ready. So, and I knew the way that the... Well, Michelle, this is a big room. It takes a while to clean this. <laughs> they, they, they know maybe, maybe, maybe Mick and the Stones were here last night. <laughs> <laughs> they had to bring new furniture in. <laughs> Repaint the... Yeah. Um, no, it, that's true. They actually said that to me. The place is so big that we it takes us a while to clean it. <laughs> but I was it was an interesting experience. And, and why I say that and why I bring it up is because I was comparing it to another experience I had via Priceline. And I've written about it before. Um, that this time, the receptionist, I could just see it in her eyes the moment she saw that I was a Priceline person. (laughs) All of a sudden, everything slowed down. She's scrolling through all the rooms to see if she could find something that, you know, would fit a Priceline. And as I say that, I'm I'm laughing here because there's no mini bar in here. I can't get... There's the sign for the mini bar, but I can't get internet. So I don't know if Priceline rooms are, you know, the... It's it's kind of strange. I've had that experience at other places, um, and and I'm not shy about naming names. The Westin in Denver... Um, has a block of rooms, mm-hmm. at least this is what one of the people there told me, is that the, the, that's the block of rooms that we tell, uh, that we give to Priceline folks. And they're mainly, uh, they're mainly smaller rooms with one king. And so what happens is, you know, if, if you're booking for like a family or something and you, you think, well, most rooms are going to have two double beds, it isn't always the case. And so that, that I think some of the, probably the higher end places are the ones that, that like have a, a block of rooms that they they well, kind of they kind of use for their for their price line deals and and I, I guess you can't blame them but i can understand but at the same time there's a hotel i will now go back to forever which is a hyatt in uh, westlake village california and this was a Priceline experience as well booked the hotel room on Priceline. my husband and i showed up they gave us our room the management was very nice immediately gave us our room and when we opened the room the room hadn't been cleaned, it had been stripped, but the sheets hadn't been put on and all of that. So we figured it was just an error in um, communication. So I called up, and she said, oh, we'll be, I'm so sorry, we'll be right up. And I mean right up. Within 20 seconds, there were three maids and the manager there. Wow. And they were apologizing. And, and I, we said, no problem. We know this stuff happens. You know, it was not a big deal. And I mean, three or four minutes, they were in and out of there and had it all done. So that was really nice to begin with. About 20 minutes later, there's a knock on the door. And there stands a waiter from the restaurant downstairs. And this is a Hyatt with a premium bottle of wine and a handwritten note from the assistant manager apologizing again saying if there's anything else they could do they're so happy to have us as guests and we're priceline people wow and then turns out as i my experience through that weekend there 
the way they kept track of everything and how friendly everyone was and how much authority people had, I thought, I need to talk to the manager. And went to him and I said, have your people gone through the Ritz-Carlton method or the school? And he goes, absolutely. He said, that's what we're aiming for. And I said, well, you're just nailing it. Um, to give employees the authority to help uh, for those people that don't know about the Ritz-Carlton uh, management system, it's every employee that works for Ritz-Carlton from, you know, the person who changes the light bulbs all the way up to the highest management um, has full authority. I think it's, is it up to $2,000 a guest? That, that sounds right from what I've heard. It's 2000 or $2,500 per guest. They have full authority without having to get approval from someone to take care of, a, you know, a visitor's problem or challenge that they have and that has totally transformed that chain that's why people pay six seven hundred dollars a night to go there and they'll just keep coming back over and over again and trying to I've been trying to use that model on a much smaller scale with some of my clients and the clients that you and I work with to say this is going to be the ultimate once you have all of these other ducks in a row operation wise and management wise that final um, obstacle for you is going to be to train your employees and give them the authority and the freedom to do things for your customers uh, up to a certain level, and that is what's going. That is what creates cult brands. That's yeah. why people have fanatic loyalty about. And so I think about today's experience versus the Hyatt experience. And it all depends on what the the core values and the, the philosophy of that corporation is or management, and it makes all the difference. Do you think maybe you got? The, I mean, this is this is this is a significantly better room than mine. Yes, it and is. and both rooms were booked on the same price line uh, transaction, right? It was it was two rooms. Um, do you think that you got this room because of the weight that that it was a it was a bump up or just, just circumstance? I think it was just circumstance because I had my I got my room number immediately, so I oh, okay. knew I was in this room, and so um, I think that it's only because all the other rooms were taken. <laughs> and I got I got the one I got the one I got because my <laughs> reputation preceded me. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, there is a dairy convention in town, and I, there were a couple of uh, I think dairy farmers from Nebraska behind me in line, and and. I probably should have, you know, turned and given them the big top secret, go big red sign, <laughs> secret signs and, and handshakes that all of us Nebraskans share. But they might have been your uh, they, uh, you never know. So uh, <laughs> I just wasn't sure I needed to know more dairy farmers. So <laughs> well, I think I think that the um, the challenge is I, I talk about this customer experience and the personal experience factor. This for me is. Um, we all talk about 2012 being the year of the apocalypse, but you know it's really a shift as we've talked about with Roy Williams and his marketing pendulum. That that this we're in an era, things are shifting, mm -hmm. things are changing. Um, some of what I read is you know things are changing toward a more feminine way of thinking, which is a bigger picture and many more pieces of the puzzle uh, rather than a linear way of thinking. So that's kind of what they think the Mayans meant by either that or they just ran out of rock to carve on for their calendar. I'm not sure. But I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. But I like to be a little grandiose and think feminine. So, um, but 
the real challenge, and, and here's the danger, the economy's getting better. We're seeing an upturn. I think you are seeing it with clients. I'm seeing it with clients. Those, we're, we're fortunate that we prepared clients to get through this anyway. And now the uptick, I'm hearing more businesses that are starting, starting to have success. People are shopping more. It's not going to be good enough to just do plain old traditional marketing and advertising anymore. Part of that new way of thinking is sort of that Missouri show me. Mm-hmm. Uh, show me state attitude. Um, that's what's going to, and, and I think I said in, before the economy tanked, I remember us having a conversation where we agreed that this was going to, the bad economy was going to cull out a lot of the bad businesses anyway. Those that weren't going to make it weren't going to make it. Now we're at a state where we've got some that just hung on by their nails and some that continue to do well during the economy because of that personal experience factor that they provide. This is going to be the next era. People want that personal experience factor because you don't give it to me, I'll go on the Internet. That's absolutely right. You know, And, and, and when you look at the advertising performance equation, the way Roy wrote it in, in his 1998 book, um, and, and it's it's a part that's not really explained very well in, in that formula, but the personal experience factor is a big part of it. It's a it's a lever that improves um, all that you're doing in marketing. And then the personal experience factor is a feedback loop back into share of voice, which is the very start of that formula. Now, in the past, um, sh- that feedback loop consisted primarily of, of word of mouth, which before the Internet... Uh, was hey one person talking to another person either on the phone, face to face, whatever, and now it's it's been leveraged to the point that it's a mention on Facebook and you just told five hundred of your friends, and if they share it to their friends, and so you you say something bad about a local restaurant or a local business that gets leveraged out quickly, it's it's quick it's it's uh, powerful and it's because it's a friend it's trusted information. And so that that figures into that whole share of voice at the very beginning of the equation, and and it's a huge feedback loop, and it makes a big difference, and and technology has enabled that to to happen. It's never been more important to to offer a good experience to your customers. Well, there was, uh, Nielsen did a big media study, I think it was three years ago, 2008, yeah, Um, in which people who were surveyed at that time this was before the economy took a dive, said that, you know, at the time it was like 58% of people shopped online. 32% of people said they trusted the opinions of complete strangers mm-hmm. online before buying a product or service. Now, that was three years ago. It has to be well over 50% now. And I'm one of them. I go before sure. I buy anything, my research. And there are people I'll never meet in my lifetime. But I trust their opinion because they go in depth, uh, and they provide me with a better customer experience than a lot of businesses I would do business with face to face. It's it's true, uh, and I, I think if, if businesses are ignoring that, they're they're I don't know I, I don't know if doomed is too strong. Maybe that's what the Mayans were talking about. <laughs> This is the year that businesses that aren't paying attention to their personal experience factor are going belly up. This is the end of time for them. They will not see 2013. 
when we thought the ring of fire was the the volcanoes. That's what. Um, no, it's going to be. I, in some ways, I'm really excited to see what happens because I think we're fortunate enough to. For example, the client that we're meeting with tomorrow, they've worked hard over. This is, this is our seventh year with them, I or our so. eighth, seventh yeah. or eighth year with them, and. They have taken things slowly but carefully, and when they're ready for a new level of their business, the things that we've talked about, and they actually, the difference is they do it. They Mm -hmm. take our advice because they know that we're in it together with them. You know, we always say to them, we don't get a raise unless you get a raise. So we're not going to make some wild-ass decision or recommendation to you if it's going to, you know make you go down. Yeah. Like, let's try this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's an, but they have done this and, and they, you know, they just had their best Christmas ever. They were up 24%, uh, in an industry, um, you know, jewelry industry that, you know, everybody else is moaning and groaning how bad it is. And it's because they have slowly and methodically worked their way up to, up the ladder to to doing things that people other people would look at and say you're absolutely nuts to do that yeah because that's what traditional marketing says and they look at it from a different angle because we've been able to give them some new perspectives and they go okay first they say they have the guts to say okay we'll try it then they prepare for it but then they execute it and that third one is where Ninety percent of businesses fail is in the execution. Well, and and I think I think a lot of that. You know, you you talked earlier about the Ritz Carlton program, and if you're the kind of business where um, employees are the front line, they're the ones that are delivering on whatever experience you're trying to create. And if you have some that are dragging their feet, like for example, if, if that hotel you're talking about sent an employee to the Ritz-Carlton program and that employee came back and was just bad, ah, that's just a load of crap, I, you know, whatever, they want to waste their time sending me to some stupid seminar, you know, and, and they continue to treat guests the way they always had, the only choice the business owner has is to get rid of them. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the obligation the business owner has to the company to the owners of the company is you got to deliver on that. And the people that aren't delivering and the people that are, are sowing seeds of doubt and mistrust uh, with the rest of your staff, they need to go. Yeah, that it it was. um, And that's the hardest thing for business owners to do because most of the small businesses we deal with, for example, it's their heart and their soul. It's their family. It's their, they hired these people in the first place and it hasn't worked out. And it's, it's one of the most difficult things to do. It's very, very painful for everyone, including the business owner. Uh, And it can often, you know, there's often drama involved with it. But if you don't, it can literally, we've seen it, you know, one or two bad employees destroy a business. And we're not just talking about performance, but culture. Yeah. The culture of a company. Um, well, it's because they're like a cancer. They're, um, they're, they're not just being unhappy and, and um, providing a bad experience to customers on their own. They're influencing, uh, they're influencing your, your other employees in several ways. Um, one might just be to, to have those employees drag them, you know, drag along with them. The other is, is just, uh, kind of an insubordination thing. It's, it's, well, no, that's not even the right word. What happens is the other employees see you allowing 
the behavior of, of the bad apple. And now they're like, well, why should I care if, if the owner is letting, you know, this guy do it? Uh, why should I, why should I even care? And then you get the business owner who says, um, my employees just don't buy into the, you know, they just don't buy into my program or they don't buy into what I, and it goes so much deeper than that. We've had many difficult conversations with clients, Mm -hmm. some of whom are no longer clients (laughs) or who who no longer have businesses uh, because they, they, you know, it's a very difficult thing to hear. And, you know, our old adage of, you know, it's hard to see the label when you're inside the bottle. Um, but that is really going to be the next era of successful small business, I think, is um, it's time for hard work again. Yeah. You know, I, I've got another client and, and, and our team, uh, we were talking about employees and we, and we, we told him, you know, this, this guy we're not so sure of. We, we think you probably ought to cut him loose. And he's like, oh, it just kind of hemmed and hot. It took two years. And when he did, things turned, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the, 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 the person that replaced him, you know, is, is on fire. It, it's amazing how it happens. And, and you just, I think, I think, a, a an owner doesn't want to think that he made a mistake in hiring, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh man, you know, I'm the one that hired him. I, I got to give him a chance. I got to keep giving him a chance. And, and you're, you're, you're hurting yourself with the rest of the people that, that see you continuing to, to tolerate it. I always, um, when I'm talking with with clients, and sometimes when I present, because this topic comes up a lot, and it's coming up more and more often, and a business owner will say, well, geez, they were so great in the interview, yeah. and I really, you know, I was convinced that they were um, going to be the one. And I say, well, this is why, to use an analogy, my background is in classical music. And for years in symphony orchestras, uh, across the United States, when they would have auditions for uh, a specific instrument within, a, you know, if somebody left and they had to fill, for example, the first clarinet chair. And, you know, hundreds of people apply for that. And then it's, you know, whittled down to maybe um, 20 make the final audition. And they would always make a big thing because they'd say, oh, well, they play behind a screen so that we can't see who they are, but we can just, you know, hear. Well, yeah, but they're playing, you're, they're assigned what are called excerpts, pieces of very famous symphonies or, you know, some of the biggest solos that the clarinet might have to play to see how well they do it. Well, by the time those clarinets have gotten there, they know that stuff inside out and backward. They may be, but within the culture, they may be the rotten apple that can destroy an entire section of an orchestra because they're a bastard <laughs> or they're, you know, they're just, they're that cancer that you talk about, or they played the audition great, but the rest of their playing, they're not a team player. They play out of tune, mm-hmm. you know? So you've, you've seen this switch in orchestras over the last probably 10 or 15 years where these last 20, not only play an audition, but they play a series of concerts they have to sit in the orchestra. They have to, how do they get along with other people? How do they, you know, they're finally getting it as far as how incorporating in a culture is what makes a, what makes an orchestra great, what makes a baseball team great. You know, it's everything across the board. Well, you know, what, what I think what businesses are, are starting to figure out is, is to kind of take their model in, in the direction that the orchestras were doing where most businesses 
I think particularly small businesses, don't actually do the audition part. Yeah. Right? right. We, we might find out that this is a great people person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they interview really well, but they can't do the job. Yeah. And so most of them are, 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 I think the ones that I've seen that, that are doing a better job of hiring actually include some of that audition type work, if you will. Let's put this person out in the field with our guys right. or, or put them in the store. And let's see how they do. Let's see how they perform as opposed to just, well, they seemed like really nice and, and people said good things about them. Right. Um, I just, this just popped into my head. Did you see the movie Moneyball? I, I keep meaning to rent it, and I haven't. You really should see it for a couple of different. It, it's fascinating how um, the Oakland Athletics used this, you know, um, mathematical um, using where guys were good at different things and putting them together to because they had very little money. They had about a fifth of the budget of the New York Yankees, so they had to take people and find their strengths and put them together in a way that you know took them to right up to the almost the World Series. Um, and now many baseball teams are using that. The Boston Red Sox were the first ones to copy them. And then they finally won the World Series using that method. But the other part, and, and it's kind of an interesting way to look at hiring people for different strengths, how to yeah. look at them differently, but also how to fire people. Mm. It's a very important part of the movie about when you have to let someone go, how to do it. And I remember watching the movie. I just watched it the other night, and I thought, that's should use that example for every business because it is business. And yes, it breaks your heart. And yes, it makes you feel guilty. But when it comes to that versus the virtual survival, not to mention thriving and growth of a company, come on. You know, what are we talking about? Yeah. You know, it's got to be, but uh, it's a great uh, movie to watch for that. I'm looking forward to it. The, the one I've watched, uh, or part of on, on, on the way here, is uh, Horrible Bosses. So, <laughs> so <laughs> some lessons to be learned there, too. I don't know. Gosh, I, you know, you hope that there's no businesses out there that are like that, but you hear stories. <laughs> I had one boss in particular that reminds me of, of one of those. Um, kind of the Kevin Spacey type character. Uh, they're out there. Oh, they're out there. And, and and forgive me for being. I don't know if this is reverse sexism, but uh, women are some of the worst bosses I've ever had. Terrible, yeah. just terrible. Um, I've just happened to. I've just had great men as bosses when I had bosses. But whoo, those women. Get out. Well, yeah, it just goes across the board. You know, I mean, bad people are bad people. And yep. Um, yep. there's just, I guess, I guess roles that we're all cut out to play and some do better than others. What What else has been on your mind, uh, you know, with, with businesses, with, uh, I don't know, the economy? We could talk about the economy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, it's late at night. Um, what what do you see? I mean, besides the the collapse of the world, according to the Mayans, <laughs> have you? Uh, I, I haven't had a chance to interview Roy yet uh, about the book, and it's 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 coming out in April. Is that right? Yeah. And so I, I've got to get him back on and and uh, yeah. to just talk about that. But do you do you? I, I've heard just bits and pieces of it, and and just of course I've seen you know the original pendulum presentation enough to know that 
uh, I you see the stuff coming true, and I think I think the new book has some kind of um, scarier aspects to it, yeah. right? I mean, some some things that we're going to see in society. Uh, and we're not just talking about marketing, but but um, this is a, an eighty year cycle that uh, has the potential to give rise to some pretty nasty stuff. I have not seen the new presentation, but I understand that it has that as well, and I think that we are. I I am a semi-political animal in that I um, watch politics from afar, and um, I find it very, for me personally, it's been a fascinating journey since 2008 because um, I was one who had great hope for uh, the change we can believe in. Right. And then reality all hit us in the face of, of not just what one man can accomplish, but um, this was two parts, and it kind of comes back. We can kind of swing this back to business, actually, because, um, you know, we have a system, political system, in which if we don't all work together, nothing happens. And that's what we've seen over the last four years. And it's both sides. It's, you know, there's no one party. There's no, you know, it's just horrendously frustrating. Well, and I, and I see, I, I don't even see it that way. I, I don't think it, in, in my opinion, it doesn't matter what we, the rest of us do to work together. Right. It's 535 yeah. guys in yeah. Washington yeah. that won't, can't, and will not work together. No matter what their constituents say. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. They're going to screw us. There's a sense of... Um, and I don't care what party they are. Yeah, they're, it they're, doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter. They're, they're, they're all sliced yeah. off the same bad I, loaf of bread. That's a really bad political metaphor. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a bad loaf of bread. <laughs> Moldy. Green mold. Uh-huh. No, I, I, I mean, that's the, the part of... Um, and I won't get on a soapbox other than to say my personal feeling is that until lobbying goes away, yeah. and I used to say campaign finance reform, but after the Supreme Court made the decision saying corporations are people, that kind of blew that out of the water. But uh, things will never change. I mean, that's the way yeah. I feel, and which is sad. But um, the reason I bring that back around is, is as a voter, um, I voted for Barack Obama. And I have never been energized as I was by that campaign. And when I say that, it was the campaign that they, the community and the culture that they created on the Internet. It was truly extraordinary. From an operational standpoint, oh, my God. And the way they brought people together. I sat and watched uh, the night of the Super Tuesday election when they asked, they said, we need to raise half a million dollars. Can you help us raise half a million dollars? And I stayed up all night watching the Internet, watching that website when they, when they made $5.6 million overnight from people sending in 5 and $10. People were so energized. Once that election was over, here was this, and I bring this as a parallel to business because what you and I often say to businesses is, First thing, they all want new customers. They want new customers, and we say, stop. The first thing you have to do is, how are you going to take care of the customers that you already have? Exactly. That's your best marketing. That's your best investment in advertising. That's what, just because they purchased from you, don't assume they're going to do it again. You need, that's gold. You've already done the hard work with those people. 
take care of them like they're, you know, just pieces of gold, and they'll just multiply because they're so happy. All they're going to do is talk about you, how great you are. But most of, most customers get ignored, and that's what happened with the voters. All these people that contributed and were part of something big and were forming coffee uh, clutches at their house and to try to get, you know, this was real activism happening. That election happened, and the bottom fell out. It was like that constituency didn't exist anymore. And I was part of that loop, and it was like all of a sudden wasn't getting communication with other than to ask for money. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I get the feeling. And I, I, I don't pay near as much attention as you do. And I've had people tell me that I should, and I can't. I can't take it. And, and so what, what, what happens, what I see is they think that the only solution, they think that all any of us want for, for uh, our vote is something back, mm-hmm. right? Oh, well, if we're going to get this block of people to vote for us, we've got to give them something. And I think, I think that most people don't feel that. I, I don't want them to give me something. I want them to fix something. I want them to stop doing some things. I want them to, you know, you know what I mean? It, 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 but they think that the only answer is, oh, we just need to tax these other people some more and then give that money to these people or this program or that, you know, we're going to pass some legislation that those people wanted that's going to put money in their pocket because uh, they think it's all about we, we all just want something back for our vote. And I, I don't see it. Uh, it, it seems like, it, you know, one party, it might be we're, we're going to give uh, people money and the other party is we're going to make it easy for corporations yeah. to keep more. Yeah. But it, it's it's always about a, a payback of some kind. And, and that's that's where I get so frustrated. But for, from a business, from a business, it's it's taking care of people. I mean, your customers don't want they don't even necessarily want a sale. Right. They don't want a lower price on a mm-hmm. shoe. Mm-hmm. They want you to care about their foot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They want, they really do, whether customers think about it consciously or subconsciously, they want a relationship. Mm-hmm. They want, it's a dialogue, it's not a monologue. They want to have a dialogue with you. That's why the internet is so, you cannot ignore what people are saying about you on the internet. And if you are, good luck because it, it's, you're not going to be around very long. Um, you have to continuously have this dialogue. And I find a, it's fascinating with businesses, with the customers they already have, it's almost like they have a fear of them. Mm-hmm. That if they take too good a care of them, then they're going to start to get demanding. <laughs> or they're going to, you know, they'll never be satisfied. Or there's like a fear of getting too close to people. Well, I'll tell you what, Apple doesn't have that fear. When you go into an Apple store, Trader Joe's grocery stores doesn't have that. Whole Foods doesn't have that problem. Um, you know, any, um, we've been talking a lot about exercise for people who are listening, who are familiar, just Google CrossFit, which is a, you know, a form of, it's really a lifestyle of fitness um, on a wonderful level that anybody can do. And it's, it's just you become addicted to it, not only for the health and the strength, but when you find the right CrossFit gym or box, as they call it, the culture is astounding. It's like a family. I, when they said family, I went, oh, yeah, right. 
I never experienced anything like that because they take care of everybody takes care of each other and you become this intertwined there's no top down it's very interesting how customers and staff are on the same level they, we have different roles mm-hmm. but we have an equal say in what happens and there's no fear there and there's no it's just it, it's wide open conversation and happening, and they are just growing like leap, by leaps and bounds across the country. And I think most businesses that have been started in the traditional top-down mode of communication and management are going to find it very difficult, if not virtually impossible, to function. And it may not happen for maybe the next five to ten years. But I guarantee you, if we pull this podcast up 10 years from now, it's a whole new world. It's a whole different world about the businesses that exist 10 years from now than the ones that exist now. You either have to completely change your way of thinking and your culture or just shut the doors. Um, Because customers don't have the time or energy to deal with that anymore. And now they have so much choice. Before, they didn't have a choice. Now it's all I have to do is go on, you know, overstock.com or uh, I can hire a lawyer who's in Virginia and I'm in Alabama and, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. So you can't run away from it. Yeah, the the, the answers are there and I, I just everything's online. I mean, everything. The answer to every question you have, somebody's had that question mm-hmm. before. I, 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 I tell people that all the time and... and even even like second guessing your doctor i mean and that that's been around since you know since the internet but uh you know there's not a person that hasn't googled symptoms and and <laughs> you know the doctor wants to prescribe something yeah. to you you're going to you're going to sure. do your own research you know i mean you're not even going to read the stuff the pharmacy gives you 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 cuz it, it's all readily available and it's true of just about any kind of product or service mm-hmm. um and it's global now you know, I, I tend to talk about us in North America or in the United States, but with the Internet, I literally ordered. My husband happens to be, he has very few um, addictions, but one that he has is shoes, specifically Nike shocks. Hmm. Okay. And he has found... And he'll do research for hours looking for new and crazy designs because they're wild things. And he has ordered shoes from Turkey, from Sweden, from um, Italy, um, places where they're only sold there. But he'll go on and he'll find that and then he will hound dog it until he finds somebody that can hook him up to get. (laughs) So it's... This, you know, and people are helping each other get there. That's the other thing. Customers are helping other customers get to where they want to be. Uh, so the customer's not alone anymore. The customer's part of a really a, a community of customers that, listen, Mr. Business Owner, if you aren't going to help me get there, these people are. Yeah, I, business owners have a choice. They can either be the, the, the catalyst, the, the enabler to, to allow their customers to form that community. Or they can get out of the way, and and the community may decide that that they're not needed, mm-hmm. right? They they the community may decide there's some place better that we can that we can go do this, and uh, that that may happen whether or not they they 
they are the enabler of it or not, but uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. It, it's yeah. happening already, and and it and it happens every day. It happens on Facebook. It happens um, in in uh, niche type groups and and just all kinds of things. All kinds. It happens in gyms. It happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really and it is. It's truly global. Um, I just I'm fascinated by that's what keeps me I think getting up every day and uh, you know just watching like an anthropologist uh-huh. um, how cultures are shifting and coming together and becoming more homogenized um, it's not a racial thing anymore honestly when it comes to business or customers or because those people that I trust their opinions I don't know who they are right. half the time I don't know their gender. Or their age, or they just have a common interest or a common value system, which is what we've been talking about for a long time now. And Roy's been big on that. And yeah, there are you know we always um, there are some dark things that come up. You know we, that's part of that's what makes the world spin. It's been around here for a long time, and you know we'll keep going. But it's how you um, adapt to that is what's going to. Uh, you know, make you or break you, I think. All right, so it's it's still January. Yes, it is. It's still January. Are you one of these big, uh, the new year is a new start, and make new year's resolutions? I've never, I don't believe in them. I guess what I'm trying to ask, any any big plans for 2012 or business as usual for Michelle? And I dropped resolutions a few years ago. I finally gave up on them. Uh, I sort of have a mantra instead that I um, pick for myself. Sort of a, uh, what do they call it, an anagram or uh, not an anagram. When you pick a word and then each letter stands for something. Scrabble? (laughs) (laughs) Mnemonic? (laughs) That's Scrabble. That's a dumb one. No, I'm I'm a mnemonic. Maybe that's it. Like, yeah, okay. I pick a word and then I, you know, and, and this, um, my, my mantra is um, focus, alert, but relaxed, yet energized. It's just a, you know, it's just, I focused, alert, relaxed, it's fair. It's, that's just the word that it happens to be. But those, if I can focus on those four, being focused and alert, but still being relaxed with energy, um, help because I, I tend to be a big picture person, and trying to focus on something is really, um, you know. But um, I have a couple things which I can't talk about yet. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about, but one is still kind of a secret. So maybe we'll have to have another podcast. Anytime. Yeah, I would love to. And other than that, um, taking a screenwriting course. Ooh, awesome! Yeah. I've got material for you. <laughs> know you do it's like an elmore leonard novel <laughs> you know and, and just just to give uh, uh my my listeners a glimpse into the 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 um the the state of my uh, teenage mentality mind <laughs> that, that I, I find myself frozen into probably you know they say that that, that there's certain <laughs> events in your life that can freeze you there when you started going through your your uh focused what right? Focus, alert, alert, relaxed, relaxed, and and so I'm, I'm thinking F A R, traumatized. 
That's going to be mine. Focused, alert, relaxed, and traumatized. That's my 2012. That is perfect. That's the plan. Yes, that is perfect for you. My mom's least favorite word. Is it really? Yeah, so there you go, Mom. I don't think she listens to the podcast, so we'll, we'll see. This will be a way to find out. That was a word I was going to use with politics in Washington, but I... It's... <laughs> Well, I do have an iTunes rating. You know, I've told iTunes this, this is G-rated. G-rated. Yeah, that we don't get into too okay, much. Well, we'll just call Washington a mosh pit then of political. Yeah, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pit of some kind. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, um, I have cut that. That is one of my. Um, at, that was actually kind of a semi-resolution last year was to only watch so much of that stuff. Yeah, um, I watched the news. Listen to. The news in the morning, and then I, I watch um, one of, you know, part of a show when we're eating dinner. Of course, I win half the time when we get to watch Jeopardy, but... Um, That's much better than the news. It's much better. <laughs> and then my husband continues to watch, and I leave the room because it's just too... Because you, you can't stay focused if you've got all of that stuff. It's all ditto head stuff anyway, so... I, I don't... I just don't consume much news. I... I yeah. It can be depressing. Um, it, it can be, and and you you feel helpless. Yeah. You know, there's just nothing you can do about any of it. Yeah. And I figure if it's big enough news, it's going to find me. I don't need to go out looking for it. Somebody's going to tell me. Somebody on Facebook's going to. I'm the same. <laughs> I'm the same way with sports. <laughs> <laughs> like people people find out I live in Nebraska. I live in the Cornhuskers in the Big Ten, and I'm like, really? I they're what? I don't know. I don't. Nah, I don't know. By the way. The Giants won tonight. I just wanted to let you know that. Because I said to the what, Giants, what they win? you go, what did they win? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to play the San Francisco 49ers next week for the championship to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, this is football. This is not the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> this is New this York. Is... <laughs> it's football season, Dave. Oh, okay. Yes. See, like I said, I... <laughs> nor do I care. <laughs> but I bet you know who Tim Tebow is. Uh, you know what? I, I, we don't even. We, we live in the Denver uh, ADI, the Denver uh, uh, Television. Uh, we don't get cable, so okay. I don't. I, I, yeah, I know who he is. He's he's a See, Denver Denver Facebook. quarterback guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's your resolutions for? I, I don't do it. I don't do it. I I because I I find it to be a letdown at some point, you right? Let and down. I, you let yourself yeah. down, and, and I got enough things to beat myself up on failure wise so i'm not gonna just like stack up a house of cards and then just watch them blow away in the breeze <laughs> how's that for a, a warped Sticking philosophy f a r t that's the that's the traumatized part yeah don't don't build up any resolutions that you know you're not gonna keep you know that's just a pipe dream. So, I, I'll tell you, I'm going to continue to podcast. That's my resolution. You know, I, I skipped a week around the end of the year. I just didn't have anybody. And I, sometimes it feels like an imposition to ask somebody like to be on the podcast. And I know there, there are people that, that would just say, yeah, sure. You know, of lots of people. What can but, they do but say no? Exactly. Right, but but um, I know we feel we're the you know we feel like we're imposing or um, yeah. Well, I'm going to keep doing it just because I like it, right? I I, I I talk to people about things I want to talk to. Yeah. Hopefully, 
as long as it's not sports and politics. <laughs> you could do a podcast. But since I flew party. all this way, uh, I thought I'd let you, you know, go ahead and talk about sports and politics and news. I appreciate that you a podcast me. on farting. Yeah. Oh, I just said the word. Now I had only spelled it. I don't think I'll do that though. I'm not that interested in the topic, to, to be just honest. The, just the word. Well, just, just, just I, that's just where my mind went as you started spelling it out. <laughs> F A R. No, don't go there, Michelle. <laughs> And then what was the last one? The E? Energized, right? Is that it? Yes. Yeah, I was, I was relieved when you said that. <sighs> well, look at the time. I don't even know what time it is. I don't know. We've been talking for about 50 minutes. Holy cow. Yeah. That's uh, great. It, it's fun. I, and thank you so much. Well, it's um, my pleasure. It's so good to catch up with you again. Thank you for coming any, all any... the way to Palm Springs to do this. Well, sure. Yeah. This is this is exactly <laughs> why. We, well, yeah, there's that client meeting, but that's, yeah. there's, we came here for the podcast. Yeah. And, and to check out the, uh, the La Quinta that's not a La Quinta. Well, you just wanted to do the podcast so you could hang out in this nice villa here. Yeah, instead of going back over to my walk-up. <laughs> Gosh. Not even an elevator over there. (laughs) Well, thank you, Michelle. And uh, that's going to wrap it up from Palm Springs, uh, another edition of the Branding Blog Podcast. I'm Dave Young. Thanks for listening. If you get a chance, uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can subscribe in iTunes. I don't think anybody's left a review in iTunes yet, but I'd be excited to see one someday, sometime. And, and if you've listened, you know, all the way to the end, you must be able to tolerate it at some point. So <laughs> I don't ask for them at the beginning. So if you've listened clear to the end, you know, maybe it won't be a one star rating. So <laughs> that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to the Branding Blog Podcast and a big thanks to Michelle Miller. Take care.